When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. At Progressive, we know there's nothing like the feeling of riding your motorcycle with your buddies on the open road. It's a potent cocktail of thrills, laughter, and pure adrenaline. A feeling that would be impossible to recreate on the radio. Until now. Hit it, sound effects guy. I'm real proud of you, son. Wow, that was terrible. How are apologies for even trying? Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. What's happening, everyone? My name is Sam Shansky, and I'm here with Hamish Anderson. How's it going? It's going great, man. How are you today? Doing good. Yeah. Sounded really wonderful up here on the stage. Thank you. It was super fun. You got a great band working with you. Yeah, I'm very lucky. They're uh, great players and have my back, and we got a good thing going on. It's stripped down, but it's it's a full sound. Yeah, the trio thing, like, I only started doing that maybe the past two years, and it's definitely a very different thing. Mm-hmm. You have to get used to kind of the space and where to play and where not to play, and yeah, it's good. It kind of It's a lot of work, but I think it's good. What were you doing before that? Uh, a lot of the times I would have keys. Like, mm-hmm. on my records, I always have a lot of keys, and I would have it live, and when you have a keyboard player, you can kind of lay out mm-hmm. and, you know, if you make a mistake, you can kind of let him take it uh-huh. and stuff. And then with the trio, it's like just bare bones. So I think it makes you a better player, though, I think. Well, yeah, man. I think you're more than capable of filling the sounds. I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. So you're Australian, mm-hmm. and uh, you grew up in Melbourne. Yeah. Pronounced Melbourne, right? You did pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I've heard, I've been corrected before, but I, yeah, I stick uh, with my American no, you've Melbourne. done well. There's a lot of people butcher it. So, yeah. What was it like growing up there? I mean, this was in the 90s, right? Yeah, yeah. I was born in 91. And yeah, like I lived my entire life there basically mm-hmm. until the past four or five years. And it was great. I mean, Melbourne's an incredible city. Like it's, it's just a great melting pot of all different cultures. And it has a great art scene and food scene and everything. And it's just a really, I still, every time I go back, I just love it mm-hmm. and i feel lucky to be from there you have family there yeah all my family's still there and all my friends that i've known since yeah. i was like five years old i'm still friends with so it's yeah it's a very close unit and it was kind of i would have not really thought that i would leave necessarily mm-hmm. and then you know that's kind of the way life goes and i just kind of i was excited to go to america and all the music i love is from here so i kind of just took the plunge so growing up in Australia, mm-hmm. it's interesting that you say you never really imagined that you would be coming to the United States. Yeah. How did that happen then? I mean... Yeah, it was kind of originally, I just came over to do like a, a showcase in LA. And it was like a little tour with some other Australian bands kind of around the West Coast. 
And, you know, I thought I'd be out here for two months and didn't really know, you know, what would happen. But I was just excited because all the music, you know, loving the blues and mm -hmm. folk music and country music and everything coming to America was like a dream. And then more and more, like, things started happening for me in the U.S. And in the first year, I got to open for B.B. King. And, wow. like, I met Gary Clark Jr. And these things just kind of started to happen that it was, like, a no-brainer to, you know, that would only happen if you were in America. So Those are pretty amazing doors to open yeah. despite, like, uh, that doesn't happen for a lot of people. Yeah, kind of. It was, like, I think that first year I just didn't even know how to, like, my mind was just exploded. Do you even remember or is it just a blur? It's a little bit of both. It's, like, you know... It's it's funny. It was just so strange that kind of it felt really quick. And obviously with music, a lot of the times it feels really quick and mm -hmm. then it goes really slow. It feels really quick. But that was definitely, you know, kind of like straight into it, wow. which was really cool. That's amazing. Yeah. So your training in music, is it self-taught or were you taking lessons in yeah, grade school? and Mostly uh, self-taught. I did get lessons. I started playing guitar when I was 12 and uh, yeah, very quickly realized... I needed help because I remember I took home my guitar and I was just strumming it open. Yeah. And my sister was like, you have to press down on the frets. And that just blew my mind. So you have an older sister? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sister? I have an older sister and she was very musical. Uh -huh. She was like... What'd she play? Uh, she played like violin, like classical uh -huh. music, but she was very good at it. So I think that made me want to play music. And then I did have a guitar teacher early on, which was great because I would, you know, do things that I wouldn't normally want to play by myself. So yeah be little bits of I'm not very good at it but little bits of classical things or jazz things and you just pick up little bits and pieces were you playing acoustic uh I started on electric actually electric, okay. yeah and then kind of made my way to the acoustic but you know originally it was like I just wanted to play like who songs and Chuck <laughs> yeah. Berry songs and Zeppelin and stuff so yeah just really l like listening to a lot of records and YouTube I'm very like visual mm -hmm. so even kind of watching people and where their hands are I yeah. think that was almost the main way I learned was just, you know, watching Jimmy Page's hands or whoever it is and just kind of trying to copy that. Wow. So even at that age, you were interested in blues and classic, I guess, you know, yeah. it would have been classic rock at that time. Yeah. Even. Yeah, definitely. Like it was my dad's vinyl collection was what made me want to play music. And, you know, it was the Beatles and the Stones and Cream. And then I kind of Every interview you read with like Keith Richards or Eric Clapton, they talk about Muddy Waters and yeah. Magic Sam and all these people. So I just kind of went back and discovered all that music. And it was just, I think it was just so pure. And unlike anything else that I'd heard, that it just, I just became like obsessed with any blues related music. That Cream album with like all the psychedelic reds and yeah. greens and everything. Was that Disraeli Gears? Yeah, Disraeli Gears. That yeah. album, I mean... It's pretty mind-blowing stuff. Yeah. It's, yeah. My dad had like a very best of cream where they all look super menacing <laughs> with mustaches and long hair on the front. And yeah, it was just funny to me. I think, I think uh, Australia and England are kind of very similar in a lot of ways. So like, you know, seeing, I didn't obviously didn't know it was really old, but seeing these like skinny white guys with long hair playing like that type of music, like the Stones or yeah. whoever, it just kind of made sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. Where does your family come from? Are they Australian for a long time? or? Um, yeah, my mum's side's Italian. Okay. And my dad's side way back is Scottish. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of a... Is that where the Hamish comes from? Yeah, yeah. Cool. It's funny. I'm more Italian than Scottish, but I got the full Scottish name of the double Hamish and Anderson. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the background. Cool. So, you know, since you got to the United States, you've been living in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. And being surrounded by a lot of really talented musicians, it yeah. seems... Uh, working with folks in the, 
bands like Gary Clark Jr., mm -hmm. uh, Curtis Harding, mm -hmm. Jonathan Wilson, they all collaborated on your newest album. Uh, tell me about the album, um, how you got connected with Jim Scott mm -hmm. and that whole experience. Uh, you worked with him on a previous record and, yeah. and then again on your new album, Out of My Head, right? Yeah, yeah. With my first album, Trouble, I kind of started it uh, with one producer in a different spot and things kind of went haywire and it wasn't, you know, we weren't seeing eye to eye. So I kind of took those tracks and what remained from them and I was a little bit burnt out. I was kind of like a little bummed out that it wasn't working out, not mm -hmm. knowing what I'd do. And then through kind of a mutual acquaintance, I met Jim and it was like everything changed where Jim kind of like brought back the joy for me Good. in making music and kind of brought back my confidence and everything. And so I finished those songs with Jim and then did the other half of the record with Jim. And it was such an incredible experience that this time I knew that, you know, start to finish, I wanted to do the whole thing with Jim. And I also wanted to do the whole thing with one band because on my album Trouble, it was a lot of different players yeah. and different songs, which is great. But I'm really, I'm really drawn to being in a band. Mm -hmm. um, so the players like Gary's drummer, Johnny Radalat, and uh, the bassist, Chris Bruce, and all these people, they're band guys, essentially. And yeah, we just really connect playing-wise. So I knew I wanted them to be the band. And Jim is just really great at making everything about the song. And it's kind of like, you know, if you don't have a good song, nothing else matters. So mm -hmm. you can't have like a cool guitar solo and like a mediocre song because it's like, who cares? Mm -hmm. So he's always very much about the song, which I really resonate with. And so we kind of make it, you know, the last thing we almost do is like guitar solo stuff and everything, you know, the groove, the song, the lyrics, the melody, everything has to be right up there. So he's great at kind of cutting the fat of my songs and getting to, you know, the meat and potatoes. Very nice. So it's cut pretty live, right? Yeah, very much so. We all go in and play together. And a lot of the vocals, a lot of the time, are live takes. And this time on Trouble, basically, we didn't even like overdub. We wouldn't put like other guitars on things. It was very bare bones. And this time I wanted to keep it live, but I did want to experiment with, you know, double tracking vocals and putting more guitars on and slide parts and things. But for the core of it, it's all the band playing. And that's just what I love about music is playing with people and just the, you know, little magic things that mistakes or yeah. whatever happens in the moment. And that's, this was all done at, uh, is it Plyer Studios? Yeah, Plyer's, which is great. It's like a, it's like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory of music. It's kind of like this place. It's just like, you know, incredible old vintage gear and, uh -huh. And it just has so much vibe and like energy to it that I think you see like, you know, guys that have recorded with everyone and done whatever. Even when they go there, they just turn into a little kid and get excited. So it's Man. it's very inspiring to be there. That is. That's very cool. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, the drummer being Gary Clark Jr.'s drummer. Um, I'm interested in the bond you've created and the tour that you recently had together and what that experience was like. Yeah, it was pretty mind-blowing for me. Like... I, yeah, Gary's someone that there's not a whole bunch of younger people that I really admire because I yeah. kind of, you know, I still love the Stones and Clapton and all those people. And Gary is the top of the list for me of the kind of younger people that is just an incredible artist. And yeah, I played a show uh, in 2014 in New York that was like very early on for me. Yeah. So there were like not many people there. 
And my manager had known Gary previously and run into him like the night before and was like, you should come to this show. And I didn't know. So I was like playing on stage, looked out and like one of the only people I see is Gary Clark Jr. <laughs> so I was like, Ooh. I was like, I got to <laughs> try and keep my stuff together and be play. Cool, be cool. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he was just really cool and complimentary. And we kind of kept in touch after that. And he would just like, you know, mention me in like an interview sometimes or whatever. And just these really nice, awesome things that he didn't have to do, but he just yeah. did. And then, yeah, getting to tour with him was like, for me, like a dream. And it was just so inspiring to watch him every night just completely destroy an audience <laughs> and like have them, you know, in the palm of his hand. And it was awesome because every night he got me to come up for the encore and it was just like every night it was it was the same song, but it was different. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of his thing is like he plays the same songs, but never the same way. So it's very inspiring for me. And yeah, he's someone I really look up to. He seems very low key and down to earth. Yeah, very just. Yeah, exactly. And, and really humble, like mm -hmm. for someone that's, you know, has the level of success he has. He's just like seems to have everything just, you know, screwed on right yeah. and just like <laughs> a cool dude, you know. And this was in Australia, right? Yeah, which for me was great because I've been over here so much the past four or five years that I haven't really even been playing that much in Australia. It's been a lot over here. Mm -hmm. So to kind of get to open for him and have it be at my home. Yeah, on your turf. Yeah, it was just like, you know, it was like the cherry on the cake and it was just wow. like, yeah, it was definitely for me the best touring experience I've had and yeah, just really thankful for him to share his audience and the stage and everything. That's very cool. Yeah. So what have you learned through the process of recording this album about yourself mm -hmm. and uh, how has your confidence level changed? Yeah, definitely going into it, I, I kind of waited. I didn't want to force like a second album and I only wanted to really do it if I felt like it and felt like the songs were good enough. So I kind of, in 2017, was kind of the first year in the States, I did a lot of festivals. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really write a whole much that year. I was just touring a lot. And then by the end of it, I went back home to Australia and for the first time in like seven months, everything stopped. And I just kind of locked myself away and just really naturally just wrote and wrote and wrote. And everything started to come out. It was kind of uh, all different styles, but just, like that was what was happening. It wasn't a conscious thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at first I was wondering like, is some things, are they a little too far from like the blues rock thing or this and that? And then I kind of think that every album I love is so all over the place. Like yeah. whether it's the white album or grace by Jeff Buckley or exile on main street, it's just like, yeah, just all different styles put together. So I kind of just let it flow. And I think I felt, at a really confident place now with my like, not just as a guitar player, but also as a singer and a songwriter, because I take them all really equally as serious. Mm -hmm. So I kind of feel like I'm coming into my own with all three of those things. And I think that this album, more so than anything I've done, really shows that. And yeah, I think I just really learned to kind of trust my instincts. And I think that's through working with Jim, that, you know, if I think that, something doesn't sound right or whatever Jim's really good at showing that like that's way better than making it sterile and trying to make everything mm -hmm. perfect so I think that's something that I've learned from it and really I'm just I feel like these are like the 11 best songs I can put out at this time in my life and career and I'm we recorded it like 
January of 2018. So it's been a while between recording it and releasing it. And I'm still really excited by it a year later, which isn't always the case because yeah. I sometimes a couple of weeks later, you don't like the song right. anymore. Yeah, that's but a good sign. Yeah. So it's for me, it's definitely uh, stood up and I just hope other people can relate to it and get something out of it. Very cool, man. Well, congratulations on that. And that's really something to be proud Thank of. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Are there other artists from Australia that, you know, you're you're into right now? Yeah. Um, Angus and Julia Stone. Cool. Yeah. A really good band. Um there's a band called the Teskey Brothers, which are really good. Yeah, they are. I yeah. like them. And it's cool seeing uh, that kind of like soul mm-hmm. root stuff come out of Australia because, yeah, for a while there, it got pretty like indie pop and electronica. Yeah. So it's cool now that it's kind of, I think everywhere there's like a kind of roots revival going on, which is really cool. I think you're right. When I heard the Teskey Brothers, I did not predict that they were going to be from Australia. Yeah. When I saw like, that, I was like, okay. Yeah. I like them. It's pretty crazy seeing that voice come out of that body. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when you're not playing music and touring and writing and everything, what do you do for your own peace of mind? Not much. <laughs> yeah. All, yeah. I mean, honestly, even listening to music, I kind of like, that's for me, like watching a movie, like I'll yeah. just put on headphones and like for like three hours, just listen to music and it like just clears my mind. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like I was back home for a while, obviously with the tour, which was great because I see all my, you know, old friends and stuff. And it's just kind of, you're just straight back to being, you know, 18 or yeah. whatever. And yeah, but really for me, I mean, I don't have much going on other than the music stuff. That's kind of, I probably, probably need to get a hobby. <laughs> but yeah. Well, you, you, you walk that line between hobby and yeah, like, exactly. like your hobby is your passion, is your job, is your career. Exactly, everything, yeah. you know, it's all in one. It's cool. Yeah. You're a lucky man. Uh, yeah, I'm thankful, you know, yeah, grateful for it all. Well, we're thankful to have had you here at Diddy TV and keep going and yeah. doing your thing out there, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Awesome. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. You used to associate crickets with silence, but since you bought a house in the suburbs, you know crickets hate silence. If any other creature realized rubbing its legs together made a piercing high-pitched noise, they might think, maybe I won't do that constantly all night long. Luckily, you can save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto. Now that's something to make noise about. Just not constantly. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. At The Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches, as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com slash workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett. 
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.